Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to, to the Going Going Gooner podcast. We ain't apologizing for nothing today. The, the plain and simple truth is that we suck. So clearly, Alvin listened to the episode. No, he did. I have no doubt. What makes you think more instability is what this club needs right now? Most likely, it'll make one of the best Netflix documentaries since Firefest. The Going Going Gooner podcast is brought to you by your party station, Z89. Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast, episode number 62. Obviously, it has been a little bit. We said the return back in April, and then something called life happened, Arjun. Um, and we'll just quickly run through because we've both had a lot of life things happen the past few months. Um, so real fast, tell the folks what you have. You've had experienced the past few months, just life, life-wise. Yeah, well, I mean, last time we recorded, I was in London um, studying there for a semester. And then since then, I've come back and um, had, you know, a, a little bit of an internship this summer. Um, but I'm ready to get back into doing this um, more regularly, obviously, with the season quickly approaching, it feels like with transfers and stuff, there's always news, there's always something to talk about. And especially on the Saints side, too, things will be ramping up there. Um, but Kyle, I think you have the bigger news. I do. <laughs> you know, not to, not to say it. I do have a job now. Um, my job is okay with me podcasting. Um, they were totally on. They were like, yeah, go for it. Which, hey, we're back and better than ever, baby. Um, and yes, it might be a little echoey in my side. I am currently in my new apartment and there is not a lot of things on walls and a lot, not a lot of furniture in here. Uh, so it is quite echoey currently. So bear with me. I'll have my mic for next episode along with hopefully a, a chair to sit in. Um, that would be lovely to have um, because currently my back hurts sitting in a stool, at, not a table. Um, but beyond that, Arjun, obviously we missed something called the end of the Premier League season. Um, and to, to recap, we're going to go through uh, the end of the, the standings, the table, and our predictions. And we'll talk about teams when we get to them through this. Um, rather than go team by team or anything else. So we'll discuss them in these blocks um, and also say how horribly, horribly wrong some of our predictions were. Um, <laughs> there's some rough ones in here. Um, so Arjun, I mean, get us, well, let's just get right into it. Um, we'll start with, I guess, the relegated teams. I think like we should start there. We'll go bottom up possibly. Yeah, so relegated this Premier League season were Norwich, Watford, and Burnley. We lost them from the Premier League. It was a pretty contentious relegation fight down to the last day. Um, Leeds and Everton pulled off the great escape. Everton, obviously, the most notable of these um, to be in the relegation fight. But uh, the celebrations at Goodison were, were magnificent after they, they stayed up. But as for my predictions... I correctly predicted North City to come last, but I thought Brentford and Southampton were going to get relegated. Southampton were only five points off relegation, but Brentford had themselves a great season. They were, they were this year's XG Kings. I mean, they, they finished below where they should have realistically. I mean, I think in the XG table, they were seventh or eighth. And, did someone um, say XG? <laughs> I did. Um, so last season, that was Brighton. Uh, this year it was Brentford. So congratulations to Brentford. They've done a really good job uh, with their business, with their team um, to stay up in their first season in the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, they, they did it right. Um, I also had them in Southampton going down um, just like you did. Uh, but I also got one right. I got Burnley right. 
Um, proud of that one. Um, finally, their reign of terror on every team is over. Uh, James Tarkovsky is on the move, apparently, um, which is cool because he's probably needed to for a long time and has not because he was in that Sean Dyche system. But obviously, Sean Dyche was let go during the season. So you can now roam free and roam to new pastures. And, and just one quick note on Burnley. Um, I think sacking Sean Dyche was the wrong move. Agreed. Um, Holy heart. Because agreed. they, number one, they ended, they ended up getting relegated. anyway. Obviously the couple, the month they had after sacking Dyche, they did pretty well. Um, and uh, Mike Jackson even won the, uh, the manager of the month award for what he was doing with Burnley, trying to pull them out of that relegation zone. But they were doomed if they stayed in the Prem. They would not have survived. They would not even close to have survived next year without Sean Dyche. That man got them to the Premier League. He kept them in there for way longer than they should have been. Um, and now Vincent Company is their manager. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they perform in the championship uh, next season with, with a new manager and uh, a change of scenery for, uh, for, for Burnley next year. Yes. Also, didn't Burnley play in the Europa League at some point, if I'm not mistaken? Or am I, am, I be, am I talking out talking out of my body right now? No idea. Okay. I feel like at some point they did. I think they got, because they got like a seventh place or something at some point in time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 2018-19, they were in the early mm. league. There we go. That's insane. Um, yeah. Wacky, wacky facts for everyone. Um, okay, so that was obviously the relegated trio. Uh, moving up from there, 17 to 11, you kind of hinted at a few of the teams in there. Um, but let's walk through 17 to 11, RG. Yeah. So in the, um, in the Premier League, the final standing 17th was Leeds. And then going up to 11, it was Leeds, Everton, Southampton, Aston Villa, Brentford, Crystal Palace, and Newcastle at number 11. So um, my 17 to 11 was in order from 17 top. Burnley, Newcastle, Watford, Crystal Palace, Brighton, Wolves, and West Ham. Mm. Uh, so West Ham had a great season last year. I didn't think they could follow it up. Wolves underperformed this year um, for sure. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm about happy where I put them. Uh, probably the worst one there was West Ham, but next is probably Newcastle. But when we made that predictions episode, uh, the Saudi takeover wasn't a thing yet. Ah, um, yes. So yes. And, and um, Eddie Howe wasn't in charge yet. So Newcastle, Eddie Howe, I think is a great manager. I think he's someone I wanted to take over after Emery. He's someone I wanted to take over after Wenger, frankly, um, at Arsenal. I think he's a great manager. And especially with the money Newcastle have now, I think Eddie Howe will be able to take them places. Um, I, besides that, it was just yeah. a general run of the mill mid table. Vieira did a good job at Palace. They've got so much young talent. I think they've got a bright future if they can hold on to that. Um, yeah, but, Arjun, uh, yeah. I, I do want to. I do want to say mine, and then yeah. it's not going to get better as we go up. Um, f- fair warning, folks. It's not really good. It's not nice in these streets. Um, I I had Watford at seventeen, so I wasn't horribly off there. Obviously, not great. They are relegated. Uh, I had Brighton, XG Kings, uh, then Palace at fifteen, Newcastle at fourteen, Norwich thirteen. Villa 12, Wolves 11. Um, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't great. Arjun. That was, well, kind of the you, you, season, you, you gotta, you gotta remember where I put Villa um, before, yeah. because 
on it, the only one there was Norwich, you know, in 13, but yeah. everything else is pretty close. So I was off by one with, I was off by one with Wolves, um, which wasn't awful. Um, it, it does get worse very fast. And I think it does for both of us. Yeah. Um, so we'll go, we'll go from 10 to seven now, um, mm-hmm. just outside the European places. Um, well, seven is also European right now because of the conference yeah. league. So number 10, um, 10th place was Wolves. Ninth was Brighton. Mm-hmm. 10th, uh, sorry, eighth was Leicester. And seventh in that conference league place was West Ham United, who were yep. um, very, very close to a Europa League spot, but were not able to clinch it um, mm-hmm. to get that top six. And yeah. I, from my 10 to seven, this is my worst stretch. By I think that's, that's, that's a common occurrence for the two of us. <laughs> so, so at 10, I had Everton. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. pretty bad. Yep. At nine, I had Leeds. Uh huh. Also pretty uh-huh. bad. I thought. I mean, I thought Bielsa would be able to take them a bit higher than they had been. Then Bielsa got the sack. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Leeds are in a new era. Um, eighth, I had Spurs. Just I think out of uh, out of spite. Oh, yeah. Just out of spite. And then seventh, they were my surprise pick. I had Aston Villa. Mm. Um, Villa ended up coming fourteenth. I thought their summer signings would be able to be integrated a lot more effectively. And they ended up having a pretty poor season, a a much poorer season than they should have had, frankly, because they splashed a lot of cash last summer um, and it did not pay off. It was rough. It was rough Um, for my, my group here. It's not much better. Arjun, I at 10 had West Ham. So I got them in the right group area, the right four within four at least. Uh, and then I also had Leeds at nine. Um, and then I had Everton at eight. eight. <laughs> it's not fantastic. <laughs> uh, I had Spurs at seven. So I got closer there. Um, but yeah, I think we both, I think a lot of people missed Everton and Leeds being horrendous. I think that was kind of the common thing for just about everybody. I don't think anybody thought Leeds would almost get relegated and Everton would almost get relegated as well, especially Everton being who they were. I don't think anyone yeah. saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know what? It happens. Uh, we, we move on. Um, now we should go with our top six. Um, yeah. Which, obviously, we got some predictions right. Some were also wrong. Yeah. Um, so, so the top six in the Premier League this season, sort of a return to normalcy. It's the big six. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Manchester United came sixth. Arsenal came fifth, um, narrowly missed out on the Champions League, which can be its own discussion on all, all on its own. Um, Tottenham managed to clinch the final Champions League spot in fourth. Chelsea came third, 18 points behind Liverpool, who came second. And of course, Manchester City won the title with 93 points this season. Um, I think... My, my top six here. So I had Arsenal in sixth um, because that realistically was the goal for, for most Arsenal fans. And um, when we talk about, uh, you know, Arteta out and, and that whole movement, the goalposts shifted. They really did. Because, because if you ask, if you ask someone if they wanted, if they would have taken being back in Europe at the end of the season, they would have told you yes. If you told someone that after our first three games, they would have taken it. Um, I think Arteta did a great job with the squad. Should we have finished top four? Yeah, we should have. We we choked in the end. Three losses to Palace, Brighton, and Southampton. 
as well as horrendous performance, a horrendous performance against Newcastle um, killed us towards the end of the season. We should have comfortably had top four, but I don't think that's grounds for, for sacking Arteta, especially with all the transfer rumors that are swirling around, which we'll get to because we have a lot to discuss there. But I think when we're talking about Arsenal in that fifth place, I think that is ultimately big picture, great result for us. Agreed. And Arjun, there are 38 matches uh, played in the Premier League season, correct? Yes. If you had told me out of the first three and last three matches, Arsenal got three total points from those six matches and we came fifth, I would have laughed at you and said, no way in heck we do that. Yeah. At that point, we'd probably get relegated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we only won against Everton. We lost every other match out of those six. Um, and we, we came where we did. Um, I, very similarly to you, had quite a similar uh, uh, duo here in sixth and fifth, Arjun. Um, I had Arsenal in sixth, real rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had Leicester in fifth, um, which big whiff on that one. Um, and yeah, Leicester, Leicester had an interesting season because they missed Jamie Vardy for a lot of it. Um, yeah. And they also did struggle with injury, but I mean, they were, they were lower mid table for a lot of the season and they ended up coming eighth. So I yeah. think next season, once they regroup, they, they've still got the funds, they've still got the backing. I think they'll bounce back and finish maybe a place or two. They, they will be in contention for a place or two higher. Um, but I think the top four is really where we went wrong. Uh-huh. Um, and, I, and I, fun fact, I, cause when we did this, we made a graphic ish. Um, and I currently have both of our tables pulled up. It's not great. Um, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. So Let's my top four, my top four, I had Liverpool in fourth, Manchester United in third, Chelsea in second, and City winning the title. So I got I, City yeah. right. You got that right. I got uh, Liverpool in fourth as well. I had Chelsea in third, United in second, and City in first. So we flipped, we flipped two teams. Um, I, I nailed the Chelsea one. Don't know how much credit I'm going to give myself, though, because um, I then had United in second, which is considerably worse. Um, all around. Um, I I think our concern at the start of the season, Arjun, for Liverpool at least, was depth. I think that was the major thing and problem we had, was that we were scared, and rightfully so, that Liverpool and their depth scared us. We didn't know how well Jota would continue to do. We didn't know how the defenders would come back from injury. We didn't – we had a lot of questions, a lot of question marks left, right, and center. Um, And – Jota proved us wrong. Liverpool then signed Luis Diaz in the winter window, which helped that a lot. Um, and just signings like those helped. And I don't think we saw that. I think yeah. we saw and- depth and saw City and said they're not even close to that. And Chelsea, who brought in a billion players, who we'll actually discuss a little bit in, in coming up here, um, we, we didn't see this coming. We yeah, and I, I, I think that is a good time to pivot to our, our player predictions, sort of. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> so I, I had Chelsea coming in second. Um, I, we recorded a couple days after the signing of a certain Romelu Lukaku, who I said would be the signing of the season and transformative for Chelsea. Uh, yeah, um, something along those lines. And, and I had them 
in the title race with City. And looking back, it wasn't an outrageous claim to say Chelsea would be in the title race, but I think it was an outrageous claim to put Liverpool fourth. I think looking back, yeah. I think looking back, both of us putting Liverpool fourth, I think may have been. Um, I, I mean, I, we had questions about depth, like you said, we had questions about depth, but I think just as much as as much as the guy makes me upset, Jurgen Klopp is probably the best manager in the world. Probably him and and it's him and Pat. And when you have those two guys challenging for titles, staying at these clubs, it's going to be them too until one of them leaves. And I think that's, that's something that we should recognize going forward. And it's something yeah. we should have recognized before the season too. Um, these guys have given us some of the best title races in recent Premier League history. Uh, they'll continue to do that until one of them leaves. And I think that's Agreed. sort of the meta now. Um, mm-hmm. But going back to Lukaku, I had him as my signing of the season. I said he would transform Chelsea. Um, and we, we'll talk a little bit more about Lukaku later, but it's safe to say that that might be the worst prediction on here. I, I would agree, except for the fact that I also did not do well with my signing of the <laughs> summer, um, which is, so a lot of my logic, uh, as we, we listened back to the end of the episode to make sure to get my predictions because I didn't have mine. Um, just for context to you listeners out here. Um, and we heard some choice words from the two of us. Um, the big note for me was because of how high I was on Man United, I thought two things could happen. If United won the league, Pogba would be player of the season. And if they did get second, or if they won the league, Sancho was the young player of the season in the signing of the summer. Now, fun fact, Sancho was not. And also fun fact, Pogba is no longer going to be with United. Um, and both were, I think we can agree, um, not good, Arjun. I think that can... Yeah, and, and, and United, yeah. United finished 13 points off of the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, they scored 57 goals this season. I think Ronaldo had, what, like 20 of those? Yep. Uh, and we recorded this episode before the Cristiano Ronaldo transfer as well. Otherwise, I think one of us may have had him as signing of the season. Yeah. Arjun, also, fun fact. Uh, United, from United to Burnley, who were in 18th and got relegated, there was a, a 23-point gap uh, from them to the top of the table. Uh, there was a 35-point gap. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I think I think that just the top. I, I think that just cements what I was saying about United. Pardon me, City and Liverpool. That these two sides are legitimately clear of the rest. Um, and and when we get around to making our our predictions for next season, I th- I think we'll find that. Um, Chelsea aren't really going to improve. They've lost a lot of key pieces. I don't know how much they can fill that out, especially with, you know, transferring to owners, new ownership. Um, I don't know that Spurs have enough and definitely Arsenal don't have enough to, um, to really propel ourselves to, to that level just yet. We're gearing up for it, but not right now. Um, so I'll move on. You said your young player of the season was Sancho. I had mine as Bukayo Saka. It was Phil Foden that ended up winning it, but I'm going to give myself the points here. Yeah, I'm giving myself the points here. You get the points there, Arjun. I I also did note in the in the episode I said it'll be Sancho, but I think Saka should also get should be close. It'll be neck and neck, is what I said. 
Yeah. Um, which it was and, not. <laughs> and it, it was a complete joke that Phil Foden won that award. Um, Sokka was our most important player. Sokka was our best player all season. Without Bukayo Sokka, we don't get Europe. Simple as and that. Foden was good, but no. And then there was a more egregious error in terms of the PFA, I believe, which is the one that Foden won, which we'll also get to in a second, uh, in terms of goal scorers, um, which we should probably get to. Um, I believe we both have the same top goal scorer, Arjun. Yes. Um, who I believe was uh, said Belgian Romelu Lukaku. Um, no, my, 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 my golden boot was Salah. I got it right. Oh, yours was Salah. Mine was Lukaku, yep. um, which I whiffed on. <laughs> Uh, cause, uh, Salah, yes. Um, also shout out to Kyung Min Sun, um, who was the egregious issue with the PFA as they left him off of the team of the season, um, with the amount of goals he scored and the, yeah, I, he, uh, he, I don't think he scored a penalty. It was all non-penalty nope. goals and Cristiano Ronaldo was put in the PFA team of the year over, Youngman's son, and you won't find me defending an, uh, a Tottenham player all the time. Um, but Son is one player that uh, you know his he he. Everyone says he's like the the cuddly guy that everyone wants to be friends with. I disagree with that. I I don't think I I think he uh, he's secretly you know a bit tricky with, with with the stuff he does on the field. But as a footballer, immense, great, so great good. footballer. He's so good. He's he's so great. I mean, him and Son. I mean, him and Kane. I'm I'm obviously I'm jealous of it because those guys are tremendous footballers. Um, and Son not being being left out of the team of the year was a, a poor poor decision. And finally, to round out our our little prediction recap round before we get into the real meat of this episode, the transfers, um, player of the season. So it was Mohamed Salah that ended up winning it. Um, I think it's deserved. I think he deserved that award. Um, I picked Kevin De Bruyne to win it, and he ended up winning um, the other Player of the Year honors, not the PFA team, uh, Player of the Year honors. Uh, De Bruyne was injured for a good chunk of the season, um, and Sala was really Liverpool's most integral player. Uh, Mane obviously up there too, but I think um, Mohamed Salah again, another immense footballer. He, he is just so good. Won the golden boot alongside son. And, um, he, without him, Liverpool aren't in title races. No, they aren't. And I, I also had KDB. So we didn't miss horribly. I think yeah. we'll give ourselves credit there. That was one of our better in general ones we've got. I think, I, I do think if De Bruyne played the whole season, he probably would have been front runner, especially considering Agreed. City won the title. And I think City would have won the title by more if De Bruyne was healthy. So Agreed. Agreed. Um, and we'll discuss City. We'll discuss Liverpool as well, because Salah is going to be an interesting uh, point of contention for this summer. Um, but we will we'll get there in a second, Arjun. Um, is, it is time to discuss transfers, though. And we're going to start with us. We're going to start with Arsenal. Uh, we're going to kind of walk through the squad position by position detail where we are at in terms of the squad who has come in who is rumored to be coming in um and who is leaving at a position so we'll start at the back we'll work our way up because the farther forward we get the more interesting it gets so at the back in goal there's six keepers i want to mention so we have obviously aaron ramsdale is our number one that's he's 
set in stone, I think is agreed. Um, we officially have Matt Turner coming in from New England Revolution. Um, he was signed in the winter window, but it's now official. Um, so he's coming to join Arsenal. Um, we have Arthur Aconquo, our, our, third, our uh, third team man, um, who we believe should go out on loan realistically. Uh, we then also have three more names to mention, which is uh, Carl Hein, uh, the youth team keeper, uh, Alex Runner-Runnerson, and Bernd Leno. Um, two of those names are going to be gone. Runnerson and Leno, I think we can both agree, should be sold. Um, yeah. Leno is rumored to be going elsewhere in the Prem, while Runnerson, I don't know about. Um, but clearly, he doesn't have a place in the team anymore. Um, as Turner, Okonkwo, and Carl Hein are taking up his spots. Yeah, and, and Matt Turner, the number two American goalkeeper um, in contention to be America's number one at the World Cup. Um, I personally think he's close, but he certainly should be in contention and, and we'll have to feel that out. Uh, 27 years old, he's going to be a good number two. He's a good shot stopper. Um, obviously you'll have the English Arsenal fans a little bit skeptical. They haven't seen this guy really play. Um, Matt Turner is going to be a good number two for us playing in the cup matches. Uh, maybe he'll see some Europa action as well. Um, but right now, Aaron Ramsdale, obviously the number one, I am a little bit concerned about Ramsdale. I'll, I'll be, I'll be frank, uh, towards the end of the season, his shot stopping dropped off a little bit, but his ball playing immensely dropped off. That's what we bought him for, um, being able to play out of the back because that's something that Leno was not good at. Um, and, and that became very evident once Ramsdale got on the side, how much more comfortable he was. Um, but I think just with the nature of the sport now, the goalkeeper is touching the ball more uh, with his feet. You'll see that in goalkeepers like Allison and Ederson. Um, and you'll see that with goalkeepers like De Gea, who cannot play out of the back. And United yeah. fans refuse to believe there's a problem there. Um, but in this modern game, the goalkeeper's feet are so, so important. So you're bound to see more mistakes. The more the, more the keeper sees the ball, the more he's probably going to give it away. With Ramsdale, I think that number got a little too high. Um, he still looks pretty comfortable, but he can get jittery sometimes. Um, but obviously, he's still young. He's going to grow uh, as a goalkeeper for sure. And, and I think he'll get up to the level um, that we need to see him at. Um, but having Turner there as backup, I, I'm not super familiar with his ball playing ability, but I, I don't think we would have got him if uh, the recruiting squad didn't see something there. So we're set at goalkeeper, obviously going to be tough to see Leno go because he had some great performances for us, but just with the direction the squad is going in, we needed someone with a different skill set, and that's what we're doing. Agreed. Um, and I'm not as concerned with Ramsdale as you are. I think a part of my non-concern with Ramsdale is the fact that the end of our season was wacky in general. I mean, we've discussed that. Um, so I, I, the, the, I'm not putting as much weight into it. Um, he also was otherworldly uh, for the first two thirds of the season. So he came back down to earth a little bit and I'm yeah. not concerned right now. And, and um, he, he, he played himself into possibly being, being England number one at the world cup until and, and I, I think it will be Pickford. But he, yeah. with Arsenal, he played himself into contention. He did. He was it just doesn't, it doesn't help, though, that he did give up four goals to Hungary 
that yeah. doesn't help his case a lot. He didn't, it wasn't his fault, but it doesn't help him a lot. And I, I um, do think, I, I still do think Jordan Pickford is a better goalkeeper as of right now. Um, but Ramsdale will get there. Uh, Pickford's obviously older um, and has a lot more experience at the top flight. Um, and especially in international competition. So Jordan Pickford, agreed. obviously. Yes. We'll be ready for that. And so next we'll move on to our wingbacks um, is, we'll, is where we'll start. And then we'll kind of blast that real quick because there's a player who kind of we're thinking about currently who mixes into a lot of this. Um, at left back, we have Kieran Tierney, our number one. That's not changing. Um, hopefully he gets healthy and stays healthy. That'd be lovely. Yeah. Um, his backup currently is Nuno Tavares, who we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, at the wing back, the right back slot, we have Tomiyasu, our king, legend. Um, he's our right back of the future. That's certain. Um, we have Cedric behind him, who I'm totally fine with being a backup. I'm okay with that. Um, he, he's played well. He's played poorly. He's been a bit average. But honestly, that's what you need a, a wing back to be, is someone you can at least trust to not be horrendous. Um, and then alongside them returning, um, from a loan deal as Hector Bellerin, who we believe is going to be sold in this summer. I would be shocked if he was not gone by the start of this Premier League season or the end of transfer window at the very least. Um, I think that's one that if he's not sold would be a bit of a shock. Um, and then Arjun do you want to discuss them or do you want to move right into center backs and get a big discussion going of a lot of players at the same time? Let's, let's do center backs. Then we can talk about the entire back four as a unit, yes. because I think this, um, you said, as we go begins. up, you said, as we go up to the top, it gets more interesting, but I think right at the back, we've got yes. a lot of stuff to touch on here. In terms of incoming players there's only really two technically we're going to discuss now uh, the center backs. We have Gabrielle and Ben White. Yeah, cool, awesome. Rob Holding, obviously. Austin Trusty, um, another MLS player who was coming to Arsenal. Um, he again was signed along with Matt Turner in the winter window and is now joining us. Um, he's going to be add depth to our squad, um, which is never mad at that. More Americans in the Prem. Very cool. Uh, and then alongside him, there are two players we need to discuss. One of them is returning to Arsenal who is William Saliba, who we'll discuss in a second. Um, the other is a possible transfer, um, which we have noted here because we're kind of going position by position here, chatting about them. And that is Lisandro Martinez, um, the 24-year-old, I believe, from Ajax. Um, also in this, obviously, by the way, Pablo Marie is technically our player. He's going to be gone again. We're going to get past that. So... Our six center backs, if Martinez is signed, are Gabriel, Ben White, Saliba, Martinez, Rob Holding, and Trusty. Martinez, very quick, before we get to Saliba, who is the big discussion, Martinez plays left back, center back, and CDM. He kind of plays all over the shop. Um, he basically does the defensive version of what Granite Xhaka has done. <laughs> yeah. That Xhaka's played CDM, left back, center back. Flip that. He is a center back, left back CDM. So I, I think this Lisandro Martinez deal is essential. Number one, because we need that second left-sided center back to be to play alongside Gabriel. Um, 
mainly because Gabrielle, as stellar as a defender as he is, is not as comfortable on the ball as I think the the team would like him to be. Um, ben White, very comfortable on the ball, great ball progressor. But Lisandro Martinez is another level on the ball. And he's got technical ability. Obviously, you said he plays on the wing, uh, the wing back role. And in the midfield, he's got technical ability on the ball. And, and I think he'd be so important um, to, to play alongside Gabrielle in that left center back role. Um, another reason why he's really important, Kieran Tierney. Um, yes. If he can stay that is fit. That's a big point here. <laughs> if he can, if Kieran Tierney can stay fit and, and play 30 games in the Premier League, give us Europa League knockout shifts, we are a much better team with him. But sadly, since joining Arsenal, a stat here from Orbino, he's only played 58% of his games since joining Arsenal, Not which for a number one um, left back option, and a guy who I was tipping to be our future captain, it's not good enough. It and is not. On the I field, will, I, I love – I mean, I love Kieran Tierney. He's a great footballer, but his fitness is a concern. And Lisandro Martinez being there to offer cover is massive because we saw what Nuno Tavares did this season. Flashes of attacking brilliance, but inexperience, number one, and sometimes just flat-out stupidity in the defense. I think he's a flashpoint. I think he can be a very good attacking left back for us. Um, but there's rumors he'll be going out on loan and that would make Martinez sort of the Swiss army knife in the defense that he can play left center back. Um, when uh, Tierney's maybe hurt, Tierney needs a rest. Martinez plays. Gabrielle needs a rest. Martinez plays on that left, on that left center back role. And going over to the right center back, Ben White and, and, uh, and William Saliba alongside Rob Holding, of course, super sub defender. The Saliba situation is one that's really interesting too. And it's one that has been hotly contested in the Arsenal fan base because of how Arteta's handled it. So Saliba was sent on loan to Marseille. I think he won the League on Young Player of the Year he was award. The League on Young Player of the Season and was uh, voted one of the two best center backs in the League on, um, which adds to this problem that Arteta has had, that we discussed how good he was and that there was mismanagement. And then with Saliba winning the awards and playing as well as he did, all of a sudden it became an uh-oh moment. Um, and this also, by the way, only gets more confusing if we do sign Lisandro Martinez, because then realistically we have Martinez, get Ben White, Gabrielle, and Saliba for center back slots. And we don't really have slots for four center backs. Yeah. But um, let we also have, uh, yeah. I think, I think Arteta's manages perfectly. I think okay. Saliba is back at Arsenal. Saliba is going to see playtime because, quite honestly, he has the leverage. He's gone out and done well. If he doesn't get the playtime, there's one talent gone. And, and I think, there's nothing better than having depth and and this gives us center back depth that we have not had in ages Kyle in ages Gabrielle and White were really really strong a great center back duo but the times that they didn't play together look like disasters and and it cost us games and having that cover there 
in talent like Martinez and Saliba, it's going to make us a better side. And, and I think Arjun, if I can quickly, I like that, but it's the problem of we would have too many cooks in the kitchen and then like someone's going to get mad. Someone's going to want to say, I want to leave. I, one of the four of them wouldn't want to be there is the problem you'd run into, which is you only have so many spots for so many players. Realistically, two of the three of Gabrielle, Ben White and Saliba would be guaranteed playtime. Martinez is up in the air because if Tierney's hurt and Tudor Tavares is gone, he's going to play left back. But it gets very confusing very fast. Um, I think Rob Holding is here to stay. I think Trusty is here to get experience and be there. Uh, he might be a U23 type of player, maybe, like sent down, up and down, one of those type of guys. Um, I don't really know a lot about Trusty, but we won't discuss him. Um, it's just, it's very, very interesting because I think if we sign Martinez and obviously we keep Saliba, White, and uh, Gabrielle, I, I'll say it. I think we have the best center back room in the Prem. That's, that's frankly that's a good frankly, thing, but also a horrible thing. <laughs> that's why I'm excited. And, and I'm not going to worry about it until we see who's playing where, who gets the play time. And I'm not wait. I'm not, I'm going to wait until we see if we even sign Martinez in the first place. That's fair. But Very fair. <laughs> I think, I think what we have on our hands at the back, um, a starting four of Tierney, Gabrielle, White, and Tomiyasu, really, really strong. But the second four, the second four is likely Martinez, and then you've got Gabriel at left center back, Saliba, Tomiyasu, or Cedric. Or you can jumble it up. You can realistically, left center back and right center back are set positions. That's mm-hmm. why we're getting Martinez as a left footed center back. So it's going to be one of them two and one of the other two, right? Saliba and White playing the right center back. So they're going to see time. I think everyone is going to see time. And, and, at this point, Tierney getting hurt is an inevitability. And Martinez is going to see that time. And then it'll go back to the regular back three. And again, one of the four could get injured and we still have the depth, right? Yeah. So at the back, I'm extremely excited if we, if we sign Martinez. And I think that we wouldn't have to worry about our back four one bit at no. all. We wouldn't have to. It'd only be injury would be the only concern. And at that point, if we do sign Martinez, as you said, Nuno would go out on loan. I think we could. It's been rumored that it's kind of like if this happens, Tavares is out on loan. And I agree with that. He should go out on loan. He should get experience being the starting left back. Because again, as we just saw with Saliba, if it works really well and he goes out on loan to the right team and flashes and is brilliant, he comes back and all of a sudden, say Tierney has still had injury problems. It makes life really interesting. For it makes life so interesting because reasons. because I think if Tierney goes through maybe one or two more seasons of having injuries like this, his value will go down, um, and I would be tempted to sell. Arjun, very this is this is very similar, and I want your take on this. To what this, we are starting, this is the idea as to what Chelsea is built around or has been built around for years, which is get a billion young players, in our case, Saliba, Tavares, for examples, send them on loan, and when they hit, you bring them back, and they're all of a sudden you're starting players. And, and they're them, still doing that. Yeah. I mean, they're still – Connor Gallagher. I mean, they're still Gallagher, doing Gallagher, like uh, Tomori obviously was sold, 
but he was their hope was to do that to send yeah. him on loan and bring him back and he'd be fantastic like they've been doing this for years that is what yeah. chelsea have done is that and then they sell players say they're like oh we don't really need Connor gallagher anymore for instance and they sell him for 30 40 million they then use that plus two other guys sales to bring in the Kai Havertzes of the world and to bring in the expensive center backs and the Kepa Arisa Balagas for whatever reason, which I want to bring them up later as well. But like those types of signings that at some point, say we have this problem at the back, say Gabrielle wants to leave after this season, if we bring in Martinez and we're like, okay, we have to get rid of him. He wants to leave. He's making it difficult. We sell him for 30, like for 40, 50 million, which we could probably get at that point for him. Cause he's however young he is. And, as super, super meteoric as he is. Um, we use that money to buy another player and we put them in his spot or we put him in somewhere else. It builds itself. So as you said, it's a good problem to have. It is a problem that we will need to be solved, have and, solved at some point in time. <laughs> and I think, but, I think we run, I think we run into a bigger problem. I think the back four, I think it's less of a problem than what we'll see in attack. Yes. Um, we'll get to the midfield and the attack right now then. Um, just based on how many players we're trying to bring in versus how many youth players that we've brought up and they've performed. Um, so in, in that midfield, um, Kyle, I'll let, you, I'll let you run through sort of our options yes. in the midfield three. So starting out, just getting some players out of the way. Um, and they'll, there's a few other names we'll leave out for now. So in terms of the midfield three, um, Matteo Ganduzzi is going to be sold to Marseille. That I believe was a loan to buy. Um, Lucas Torreira is coming back on loan from Fiorentina after that whole debacle happened. He's probably also gone because his number just got given to Gabriel Martinelli. Um, he's also probably going to be gone. Uh, and then Ainsley Maitland-Niles is another player who's in that grouping of we don't know what's going to happen. Um, I would guess he's gone either on loan or sold because I don't think there's space for him, especially with players we could be signing and possibly are about to sign when the episode is out. Um, but in terms of the midfield three, Arjun, in terms of our two, C- our two CDM center mids and our cam, our attacking midfielder, to give you ish shape, we have Charlie Patino, our youth wonder kid, uh, Mohamed Elneny, who we just signed on a new deal, which I'm totally okay with. Uh, Sambi Lokonga, Granit Xhaka, Thomas Partey, uh, and Martin Odegaard are the players we currently have. Then you add in the should be done by the time this video comes out, uh, Fabio Vieira from uh, Porto. And you have a possible Belgian in the mix with Yuri Tillemans from Leicester. Um, the one that we're very confident is going to be done is Fabio Vieira. It came out of left field. Um, all of a sudden, just a tweet came out and it was like, oh, Arsenal are about to sign Vieira in like two days. And it was like, oh yeah, it's all done now. Yeah. And I remember, it was, I believe it was Orenstein or was it, I forget who it was, who tweeted it out. And Arjun and I texted each other like, this can't be real. This isn't happening. Like, and, and- Stuff Nothing. like, Nothing. <laughs> like everything we're talking about, you know, Martinez, Telemans, who we're about to get to, and, and the rest of the attackers that we'll get to also, those have been rumored for like weeks now. Fabio Vera was simply announced, and then by the end of the day, he was in London doing his medical. And, and Porto have already said he's been sold. 
<laughs> yeah. And I mean, the, the announcement hasn't come out. I expect it to be out the day that we release this episode. But I mean, I had to look up who he was. Like, I had to look up what his play style is like. Um, fans of the Portuguese League of Porto were saying he's got a very similar play style to Bernardo Silva. Um, someone who can play on the wing, but has recently been converted into sort of a number eight. Um, and I think the the master plan there is to have him sort of play behind Odegaard, maybe, um, and have Tielemans play at that other number eight if we end up signing him, because the rumors are that this Vieira deal doesn't hinder our pursuit for Tielemans. The interest over Tielemans has cooled a little bit in the last couple of days since Vieira uh, signed, or, or Vieira uh, has been rumored to have signed. But I think Arsenal is doing that just to ramp up the uh, the heat on other deals, just because the prices on those yes. are, are very different. Arjun, um, before we get to fully discussing everything and like kind yeah. of who might start where I want to get the two wing ish positions done as well quickly and leave striker for last. Yeah. Um, because I think this loops into the whole conversation. Like there's a very big conversation we have to have about what the lineups look like and who's not going to be even on the bench. Yeah. Um, so just to quickly run through players as well. Um, Nicholas Pepe and Reese Nelson are both in limbo. Don't know what might happen with them. Technically, Maitland-Niles is also in that group because he also can play the wing, quote-unquote. Um, it's a very weird position to have us in right now. And then on the wings, the four players we know we have are Saka, Smithrow, Martinelli, and our new our, our first signing of this window, which is Marquinhos, um, uh, a young Brazilian, 19 years old. He is looking like he's going to be um, used in the similar style, we think, to Martinelli where they're going to send him to the U23s because he is 19 years old and kind of give him some game time there a little bit because he, let's be honest here, is not going to find game time, especially if we sign Vieira and if we sign Tillemans, he will not get game time. Um, so he will most likely be sent to the to U23s, be told, hey, train up, be with the first team. We'll probably get some Europa League bench time, maybe some action there probably some FA cup and EFL cup action left, right, and center. Um, but using that similar style where he's kind of stat, like if you're an NBA, it's a stash him for later type of pick. It'll yeah. be similar to this, that Marquinhos will be like what Martinelli was where he stashed for later use. Um, but these are the players we've got. And let's say we signed Vieira and Tillemans Arjun who starts. Cause don't forget, by the way, we have Thomas Partey as well. And I think I think <laughs> this is I think the Vieira and Tielemann signings are a firm indication from Arteta that we are shifting to the 4-3-3 with Partey at the base of the midfield on his own and with um, any of the three, two of the three of Odegaard, Tielemans and Vieira ahead of them. Um, I think that is a firm indication that's what we're going with. And I think even Emil Smith-Rowe could be roped into that also into the number eight conversation. Um, uh, Smith Rose played on the wing, um, but I think with what our wingers could look like, um, that Smith Rowe could be roped into that as well. Okay. And I think what's happening is that, that Lokonga is being molded into being um, the, the lone number six, just like Partey is. And I think Jaka and Eleni are both squad players now, essentially. 
Xhaka will get sold at some point, and Elneny is content with staying in London, being an Arsenal player, being a rotation player like he was last year, filled in really well for us. And I think Elneny is completely totally fine happy. with that. I'm totally and, happy with Elneny staying. I'm happy with also Sambi will get to develop. He'll probably get some time again in the Europa League, EFL Cup, FA Cups. And because Vieira, I mean, if we if we stay with, you know, sort of that four, two, three, one that, you know, the double pivot, the Jaca parte, um, maybe it becomes a Tielemans parte. It certainly doesn't become Vieira parte because he can't play that deep. But I think Tielemans is is not in a similar mold to Odegaard or Vieira. He's sort of in the middle uh, in, in like terms of technical ability. But I think parte is much better on his own in the in the base number six. Partey was remarkable for us as a lone number six. He put in some of his best performances for us playing at that role. And I think that's what we want him to do. And, and it, it, in the case that, that maybe Partey gets hurt, we can revert back to the 4-2-3-1. We can have Tielemans and Jaka alongside each other. Um, but I think what we want is to have two creative midfielders in there. Um, similar to like what we had um, back in the day with, with Cazorla and Ramsey, right? Yeah, those are two players similar, not really similar in style of play to Odegaard and Vieira, but they had technical ability. Partey yes. certainly has that too, but he's not a ball progressor so much as he is an enforcer. Arjun, right? but do you know what I'm, I'm going to go with this? All of a go sudden, say we lose possession, what happens? And do I we mean, trust that... Partey and one of the other seven names we've had to defend us well. That's and that's where like I'm a bit concerned is that I think Lissandra Martinez could get that weird like slot at almost uh, CDM center back where he's just like if he, say Mar- Martinez plays he might be pushed farther forward. We, a lot of things could happen here. I'm just concerned if in that midfield if we don't have someone who is a more defensive center mid that it could backfire almost like what we've seen at United where Pogba when he's with France with Conte otherworldly being but Pogba with literally anybody else because they're not defensively sound let's even say Fred because Fred's not good in general then all of a sudden Pogba just can't do anything because he can't defend ish obviously he can defend at least a little bit but not to the level you need him to alongside Fred, who's in the same level as him. That if you have two meh, two meh doesn't mean fantastic. Two meh means you have two meh players defensively. And that's when I get concerned is if we lose that ball, all of a sudden a lot more pressure does get put on that back line to defend. And yes, they're all fantastic, but there's an error here or there that we could see. And I think that's where the, where the confidence, I think that's where the confidence in the back line comes in because I had that confidence in us last season with our, with our best four that we were able to run that four, three, three and, and, and go forward um, without repercussion, you know, tyranny, tyranny would go up the wing and then it would sort of revert into a back three as it does. Both fullbacks aren't going to bomb up the wing at the same time. Um, but you have enough trust in your guys and in, in Tomiyasu and Gabrielle and white, and then eventually in Saliba that they will be able to hold it down back there and, and give us the, the, the creative freedom in that midfield to, to unlock Odegaard, to unlock players like Vieira, and that unlocks the wings too. Because we saw 
We saw how much chemistry Odegaard and Saka developed this year. That's only going to get, get more intensified. And, and with new players like Vieira linking up with, with bright young players like Smith Rowe, like Martinelli, this has potential to be one of the most fun Arsenal squads to watch because of the technical ability we're bringing in. It feels, it feels like we're reprioritizing technical ability and, and not so much flair, but, but a player like, like Ozil's caliber, a player that can, that can unlock everything around them. And especially with our young wingers like Saka, like Martinelli, and with our rumored striker, we'll get to the attackers now, actually. Let's yeah. do that. So, and, yeah. Well, I quickly, on your note of just what we're prioritizing, I don't think we're just prioritizing technical ability and the ability to unlock a defense. And this loops into that striker we're going to discuss in a second. Um, I think we're prioritizing versatility. I think that's the major point. Absolutely. And we'll get to. And we'll get to that with the strikers who we have. Uh, Fuller and Balogun is coming back on loan from loan. Um, then we have Lacazette was obviously sold to or left on a free to Olympic Lyon, the team he came from. Really sad to see him leave personally. I'm, yeah. I'm sad about it. Um, I loved him. I've always have. Um, and then Eddie and Ketia just got the number 14 kit um, and is signed through 2027 season. Um, he earned he earned being signed again to a new deal. We'll say that he played stellar at the end of the year. He got us goals. That was he was a machine. Yeah, uh, um, just one word on Enketia for me. Go for it. I've been especially skeptical of him, um, but I think if Enketia was in our side from the moment Lacazette started to drop off, we would have clinched top four a lot easier. Um, yep. And I think uh, he's still so young. I mean, he he's going to get better, um, and. I think it was one performance in particular that really, really turned me around on Nketiah, and it was away at West Ham. Um, he was absolutely incredible that game, uh, especially in that second half. He served as the outlet, which we hadn't seen from our strikers a lot, um, especially Alba. Alba really stopped serving as our outlet. Lacazette did it pretty well, but the end product wasn't there for him. Um but Enketia was, it was a master of hold-up play. It was a master of, of finding the right ball, finding the right strike. Um, and that's the game I really was like, I want him to stay with us. And obviously we'll need to get in another striker because we will not have Lacazette or Aubameyang, obviously. Mm-hmm. But Enketia signing for us, uh, I couldn't be happier for him. I'm glad he's staying he's obviously an academy product he's a hayland graduate i think he's going to be a fantastic number two for us because and we'll we'll get to that player in a second but i also want to add to just like this weird depth thing of we also have a bunch of the youth products we haven't really mentioned a lot of um which i want to just chuck some names in very fast just to keep note of throughout the season which is omar rekik a defender who's going out on loan uh, Zach Swanson, I believe, is also going out back out on loan um, in defense. Midfield, you got Salah, Adin, Ulad, Mahand, Miguel Aziz, Omar Hutchinson, and then up front, Marcelo Flores, Keto Taylor Hart, and Tyrese John Jules. All of them great strikers, similar to Balogun, where they could come up at some point, possibly, which would be fun to see. The striker you're talking about, though, Arjun, is going to take our number nine shirt. I think that's kind of a guarantee at this point because number nine wasn't given to Enketia and it is vacant. Now Lacazette has left. Um, and that player, hopefully, 
um, is going to be Gabriel Jesus. Um, he has been rumored for quite a long time. Um, that deal, along with the Tillemans and Martinez deals, are really getting pushed now all of a sudden. Um, everything is happening at once for us, and it's, it's almost like every Fabrizio Romano tweet is Arsenal doing this, Arsenal doing that. And it's very strange to see, um, especially with how confident he is that it's going to happen. Um, so Jesus is the rumored player um, who I have liked for a long time. I have criticized him in the past. I will hold my hands up. During the Premier League prediction last time, I did say that City did not have a striker. And I said, I don't know how much I trust Jesus compared to Kelechi Iannaccio. Um, I will own up to it. Um, I do love Iannaccio. He's fantastic. Um, but Jesus is interesting. Because, as we said, he's versatile. That City don't play a normal rotation. They played him on the wing, and he played pretty well at times. They also played him at striker, and he played decently well as well on June. And this is where that whole versatility thing comes in, where you have him can play wing and striker. Smith Rowe can play wing, can play attacking midfield, kind of that like Ozil number 10 role. Then you've got Martinelli can play, obviously, the wing and strike, both wings and the striker position. Saka can play both wings. Marquinhos can play both wings. Odegaard can play anywhere you need him to in that grouping. Like, this becomes a very versatile team, very fast, and means that it can be similar, one hopes, to what Liverpool did, where you had that roving, like, trio or quartet even when Coutinho was still there for, like, a half-season uh, with Salah, Mane, and Firmino, where they all kind of just rotate around and say one goes one way, one goes the other way, and they just kind of work. And that is really cool to see. And I'm very excited. And, I mean, I I don't think I'm as high on Gabriel Jesus as you are. Um, I think that he could be very good in our system. But um, – I'm, I'm not 100% sold. Obviously, if we get him, I'm going to back him, and I'm going to be very excited for what we can do with a new number nine. It's going to feel like two new number nines because we really haven't seen too much of Enketia, right? Yes. Like, it's going to feel like two new players up there. Um, Arjun, but, what I want to just say real quick before you get to it is I'm also more high on him because of the price. I think that's helping it, and we'll get to a lot of the other players later in terms of strikers. But with Darwin Nunez going for $100 million if incentives kick in, and obviously we've seen what Mbappe has gone for in the past, and the rumored numbers, obviously Vlahovic went for millions and millions more. Um, the rumored numbers for Calvert-Lewin and what Abraham's rumored numbers were, even Lukaku, like getting Jesus for a reported 40 to 50-ish million euros somewhere in that ballpark, maybe a little bit higher, I'm not mad at it. Because yeah. we're paying under what I think market price should be to a rival as well. Like City don't want to sell him to us realistically. They yeah. want to sell him to a non-Premier League team, but they're selling him to us. And, yeah. and I think we, we, we will be paying around market value according to transfer market. It's around $55 million. Um, that, that is around market value, um, which I think is good because, you know, Jesus is just hitting his prime. He's 25 years old. 
um, we are going to have his best years if we sign him. And I'm also not concerned about him having to adapt to the Premier League because he's exactly <laughs> yeah. That, That's that, a big that, Those those are the upsides. But but the I I can't eat really put into words what I'm concerned about. Like it's just I, he's I, not he's not he's not fantastic. He's not as good as Holland is. He's not as good possibly as Nunez. He's he's, he's not, not as good as someone like, Kane. you know, someone else rumored to us was Osem Han also. Not really rumored, but like that's a name that was tossed around for a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, he's not money. he's obviously not the flashiest player. He's not he's not going to do everything extremely 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 well, but I think um, you know, his market value has dropped a lot. He was back in 2018 when he was just 21, he was almost a hundred million dollars. Um, his market value, he has dropped. Um, but that's just a byproduct of the city system, I think, because they, they sort of preferred having no striker. They preferred having Foden there. Um, but that's just a little bit. What concerns me is that, you know, they, they sort of bend Jesus in favor of not having a number nine. Um, but the upsides, obviously we will get his prime. It is a pretty good price considering, and we'll get to it right after this, what, what Liverpool paid for Darwin Nunez. Um, obviously city didn't have to pay a lot for Holland, um, just because of the terms of that deal, but, and, and also Gabriel Jesus will be working with Arteta again. He obviously worked with Arteta before. Um, It it, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, but I don't think it is the best signing that we could make. Yes, but as long as he gets us 15 goals in a season, honestly, that's all that matters. Because for those who are wondering who our top scorers this past season were, it was Saka had 11, um, Smithrow had 10, and then I believe there's a steep decline to find any striker. Um, So I'm, I'm totally okay with Jesus. If he can get us 15 goals per season, if he can get us one every two games, we'll get goals from other players as well. That's kind of all that matters. And if he has a season where he hits 20, awesome. Fantastic. So and and Ketia and Ketia was our top striker scorer, I think, and he scored all his goals in the last like month. Yeah. (laughs) It was not good. Not very good for us. Um, but let's just for hypothetical sake. Say we do sign all these players, Arjun, just before we get to transfers. What there, do you think of the team? God, there, there's, there's one big one we're missing that we haven't oh, talked about. Ah, we are missing one more. We're missing another Brazilian, I believe, Arjun. And yep. uh, that is uh, Rafinha from Leeds. No, 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 not the Barcelona Rafinha. Rafinha from Leeds, who's also rumored to be going to Barcelona, um, which is just fantastic. Don't know how they have the money for that, but that's here nor there at this point. Um, he is rumored to be leaving Leeds for, I believe, 72 million euros or some very steep price, somewhere to that, Arjun, um, who I would love to have. But again, what do? Like, where does he play with us? Who do we I think, drop from yeah. him? I do think Rafinha is the one where I'm like, okay, if we get him, where does he go? Where does he play? And I would rather That's, use that money at that point to get Osamen. I'd much rather do that. Like it's, it's the weird point where like, if we sign all these players, I'd rather have used the money for Rafinha on Victor Osamen or have used it last summer or last winter for Dusan Vlahovic. Like yeah. at that point. However, um, it would be an extremely exciting signing. 
Rafinha is a baller. It he is be. so, so good. If we signed him, um, that is my only concern. Like, he is, he's better than Sokka is. I'm going to say it. He's better than Sokka is right now. He's better than Martin. He would be our best attacker if we got Rafinha. He would be. So realistically, Arjun, say we sign everybody. Let's just say we sign everyone. What does this team look like? Let's say it is that 4-3-3 that you discussed. Let's just do that. Let's just assume this. I just want to make a general starting 11 plus subs bench. And I believe, by the way, the five subs rule is in place for the yeah, and, and that's, again, that is helps. They're, they're taking that into consideration, too, that a lot more guys are going to get play time. So yes. what, my main concern with Rafinha, obviously, I don't think he's going to impede Sokka's um, development. I think he could end up impeding Martinelli's. Oh, by a mile, he does. That's the problem. That's what scares me. Because I'm so high on Martinelli. And he's played so well for us. Again, in that like weird 2020 period where he was just balling, like when we had that resurgence all of a sudden, a lot of it was him and Smith Rowe and Saka together. And Martinelli played like he was a world beater at times. And he is that weird winger striker where he's not really a striker, but he can play off the wing and cut in really well, almost like what Son has been for Spurs that weird like he kind of plays the striker kind of not kind of off of the striker's shoulder-ish type of deal which is what I want him to do but if we have Rafino, we can't we can't do that because he's not going to take over Saka's spot I'm sorry but if we sign everyone realistically Arjun if I'm just guessing here four three three wise our front three is Saka Jesus Rafinha like I'm not far off with that I think yeah. that should be the this front three which is a very good front three. Um, how it works, we don't know. Um, that would be a very interesting trio. Um, behind them, like what? What do we play? But that's I'm, I'm just and stuck. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of rotation, and and the five subs rule is huge here, and and that's something I I, I wanted to bring up because with that you will see all of these guys get playtime, um, regular playtime if it's one of them maybe for half an hour a game maybe one of them gets gets 60 minutes a game but all of these guys will see the field and and i think that's something arteta's trying to improve at at those tactical substitutions and there's no there's really no other reason we would be overloading on depth like this because i mean the the criticism of the five subs rule is that it, it benefits the clubs that have the money to drop on depth and that's exactly what we're doing this window and i think that's super 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 important Right behind, say, the Saka, Jesus, Rafinha, front three, it's probably Odegaard, Vieira, and Partey. I'd mm-hmm. say that is – and then and then, um, you've got Smith-Rowe in there as an option, and then Martinelli back up right wing or left Arjun, wing. But Quick question, by the way. is Do we know if the subs bench is changing, if they're adding more subs? or is it I think it's the same. It's seven? Still still an 18-man squad. So, Arjun, I'm, I'm looking at this, and you're, you've been going through the team. I don't know. Some we're gonna have to leave someone off the bench is what I'm currently looking at right here. Um, that realistically, we'll have the Saka Jesus Rafinha, and then let's let's say Odegaard, Partey, and Vieira in that midfield trio. The back line is Tierney, Tomiyasu, Ramsdale, and then pick your poison at center back. Out of the two, out of the four we have named, pick your poison for the other two. 
all of a sudden off the bench, you have seven players. You realistically need to have a goalkeeper as one of them, just as a precaution. That's kind of how it always works. You need a goalkeeper there. So put Matt Turner in there. So you have six spots open. You should have someone who can play a wing, a, a wing back position in case of injury. In that case, at, realistically, who do you put? I don't know. We'll get to that in a second. Um, you should have a striker of some kind. And we just gave him the 14 shirt. So my guess is Eddie gets the bench. So you have Eddie and Turner. Then you've got uh, a picker. You pick your poison with attackers. Realistically, I think Gabriel Martinelli and Smith Rowe are on the bench. They should be. Um, so you have Eddie, Gabriel, Smith Rowe, and Turner. So you have four of seven filled. You have three spots left for the midfield defense. At that point, you probably have Tillemans for the, the bench spots consideration-wise. In the midfield, you have Yuri Tillemans. Granite Xhaka should be there defensively. He's going to have to be named. You have the two of them in the midfield that should be considered. Then you have, in the defense, you have the other two center backs, plus, realistically, Cedric, let's say. Let's assume this happened. Martinez signs. Nuno goes on loan. Cedric is put into this conversation because Martinez can't play right back, which is another thing we have to remember. Um, so that way you'd have what five names for three spots. You can, you can add, you can add two more. The subs bench is nine. It is nine. It's a, it's a 20 man squad. Oh, oh, in that case, Eddie, Gabrielle, Smith Rowe, Tillemans, Xhaka, uh, Martinez, White, Cedric and Turner is, I believe that's nine. If my math isn't incorrect, is, is, and, is correct. Uh, but the, this is a good problem to have. <laughs> At that point, we're fine. At that point, all the problems I just this laid is, out for no reason are solved. This um, is a also, good. This regardless, I mean, someone will get left out. You know, you forgot Lakonga, obviously. You know, you forgot. Well, Elneny, I the players right I left holding. out. By, yeah, the players I left out include Lakonga, Elneny, Patino, um, Balogun. Uh, holding Trusty, along with Arjun, the players that we were like, yeah, they're in limbo, which is Nicholas Pepe, Reese Nelson's, yeah. Nathan Niles. Like this is this we're is sitting on a cash pile here. This is a good problem to have, and and it's I a think, great problem to have. I think obviously, I don't think we get every single one right. I, I think, think we miss out. We'll probably Rafinha. miss out on Rafinha. That's that's my that's my guess. I think we'll probably miss out on Rafinha. Telemans, I think it's a possibility we miss out on Telemans because I think the main two that we're looking at are Jesus and Lysandro Martinez. If we don't get Jesus, there needs to be another striker. There has also, to be a striker. Also, speaking of out of left field, like we did with Vieira, Martinez came out of nowhere. All yeah. of a sudden, it was reported, oh, yeah, we made a bid for him and it was yeah. turned down, but we're going back in and want him now. Yeah. They came out of absolutely nowhere. Martinez, Martinez is reportedly the priority as of this yes. moment for our and, I just, and and we're I'm, battling with Manchester United for that, which is for wacky. Um, I also want to just quickly note this: why I believe it was uh, Arteta put out a statement either last year or prior, which was talking about leaks from the Arsenal camp, and he was kind of like, "I don't want to hear more leaks happening from us because somehow our moves, our interests kept getting leaked left, right, and center, and things kept getting out of the locker room and out of the front office and everything." Yeah. None of this has gotten leaked. 
none of it got leaked. And it was like, how? How has that happened? Yeah, this is, I, I think... This is a new era of Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, and, and after this summer, I think it really is the start of the new era. And I think that um, the ambition that we've shown in the last two summers is really, really, really promising. And it just has to translate to the field. And we just have to see how it does that um, as we go into August. Um, but obviously there, there's, there's so much to discuss and, and we'll be, we'll be back in probably a week discussing what, what's went down in the last week with Arsenal's transfers, because there's so much to talk about. And yeah, um, just with, just with all of the pieces there, there is so much to touch on with, with Arsenal. And Arjun, if I can quickly just note to go through prices real fast as a last note on Arsenal transfers, let's say we sign Rafinha, Marquinhos, um, which we already did. I'm just putting him in this list. Tillemans, Vieira, uh, and Lisandro Martinez. I don't know if I'm forgetting anybody. And Jesus. Let's say we sign all six, just for hypothetical sake. Uh, Marquinhos was like 4 million euros-ish. Let's say four, for sanity's sake. Um, Jesus, we said, would cost how much? Around 45, 50 mil, I think. Okay. Let's round up and say 50. Let's just assume City will ask us for more. So 50 there. Uh, Vieira reportedly is 35 plus five. So we'll say 40, just again, for sanity's sake. 40 for him. Um, Martinez is rumored to be 40, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Um, The cost for him. So that's those two. Uh, Yuri Tillemans is how much reportedly? Uh, Tielemans, his market value is around 50 million euros, I think. Okay. So let's say 50. And then let's say for hypothetical sake, we do get Rafinha, which is being reported for, I believe the same give or take price Pepe was like 72, 70, 70, so yeah. 70. Let's say we do that. Just follow me here on the math. Um, we are looking at 200. If I math is correct, which I believe it is is 254 million euros of transfers in one summer. And, and we spent the most in Europe last summer too. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, we are splashing and, and it's, it's great to see that. Um, the Rafinha, the Rafinha thing is, is very interesting because, um, because of how quickly it came along also. Uh, he's linked to Barcelona. They've agreed personal terms with him. Um, but I don't think Barcelona have the money to pay. Um, I think they offered like 40 and that's something Leeds would not do. Um, I think uh, it was confirmed that Arsenal's, um, pardon me, Rafinha's agent was in London today um, and Arsenal are in direct negotiations. So, I mean, this is possible. And, and I think this is, this is the one that's most on the fence that, that it could go through in the next couple of days, but it could also completely fall apart. And I think it's the least stable of all these transfer rumors. Um, but it's, that obviously makes it the most exciting. I am so excited to see what happens in the next week. We obviously have um, Tielemans on the back burner now. We've got Martinez and Rafinha and Jesus it's 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 a really exciting time to be an Arsenal fan Kyle. it is it is Arjun um 
And now we'll move on and we'll blast through these in terms of yeah. transfers that have happened and will be happening. We'll break them down in terms of fit and all those things later. Um, but in terms of transfers that have happened, Arjun, obviously mentioned a few of them in Darwin Nunez to Liverpool for reported, including incentives of 100 million euros, which is buck wild. Um, Erling Holland to Man City, you know, the greatest player of all time um, per Kyle Leff. Yeah. Um, Sadio Mane is reportedly set to leave for Bayern Munich, which aids in the Darwin Nunez deal. Um, in terms of Bayern Munich, Lewandowski has stated he wants to leave. He's made it very clear. But the teams rumored for him are Barcelona, and apparently Chelsea want him because for Chelsea, Lukaku is set to leave for Inter Milan, which, what? Um, yeah, that's apparently a thing. And we'll discuss him more in a second as well. Yeah. Um, and in terms of uh, a team we just technically mentioned with Holland is Dortmund. They signed Karamadiemi the same day City announced they were signing Holland. Yeah. Um, they're signing his immediate replacement, which is totally cool because I love Adiemi. He's fantastic. Um, then you move again to Bayern. Ryan Gravenberch has just signed for them, a young, like, wonder kid from uh, Ajax who's stellar in the midfield. Um, I would have hesitation there because we saw Renato Sanchez, young midfielders going to Bayern, don't always end up playing, paying off. Who knows? We'll see. Um, and then you've got Diego Carlos to Villa for a lot of money, the center back from Sevilla. Um, then you've got Spurs signed Yves Basuma, a player we were linked with last window, as well as Ivan uh, Perisic um, on a free. Uh, Real Madrid signed Antoine, uh, Antonio Rudiger and um, Orlin Chouameni. Um, again, another talented French midfielder along with Eduardo Camavinga. It's wild out there in Real yeah. Madrid. And yeah. speaking of French midfielders, United let Pogba go for the second time reportedly to Juventus for free. Um, that wraps up generally, I believe, Arjun. Tell me if I'm missing. I'm definitely missing some. Yeah, the, the, the one I, I wanted to zero in on Chelsea for just a second um, because they're also in for Rafinha. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts here. If Rafinha goes to Barcelona, Barcelona are looking to get rid of Dembele, and I think Chelsea would like to get Dembele as well. But if Rafinha obviously doesn't go to um, Barcelona, Chelsea are in for him. But a really interesting name that Chelsea are in for is Raheem Sterling. So Which City, is wacky to hear. City, City seem content to be selling the rivals, which is something I find interesting because that hasn't really been the norm in the Premier League. But I think it's going to have to be because as the Premier League gets more and more saturated, as the Premier League gets richer and richer, eventually these clubs are going to have to sell to rivals because no one else is going to be afford, going to be able to afford all of the players like they have been, unless you're Bayern, Juventus, PSG. But if you want to stay playing in, in a league, the quality of the Prem, people are going to have to start selling to rivals. And, and I think this is yeah. the start of that. And Sterling's price is not steep at all. I think he'd be, he'd, he'd go for less than Jesus. Sterling is a little older. Um, but that's the interesting part because Raheem Sterling, a quality, quality player. But as soon as you reach, you know, sort of that 27, 28 range, the, your value drops pretty heavily. Um, and we're seeing with, with players like Holland, Nunez, uh, Mbappe in the past, 
um, Mbappe is sort of an outlier, as is Holland, um, that these players are going for ridiculous amounts of money. I think Liverpool overpaid for Darwin, Darwin Nunez, but in the end, my opinion doesn't matter because Jurgen Klopp is going to turn him into a monster. Um, I firmly believe that. I think he's got a lot of talent. I think if he went elsewhere, I don't think he would have developed as well as if he went to Liverpool because Liverpool are really good at developing attackers. They've done it with Salah and Mane, obviously. Salah was already sort of developed, but they turned him into the world-class player he is now. Um, I and I think Nunez, I think Nunez will be on a similar trajectory. Klopp doesn't seem to ruin players. That doesn't seem to be something he does. Nope. Um, especially if they're getting playtime. You know, a player like Nabi Keita may have been a disappointment um, for the funds they got him for. Maybe a player like Wijnaldum ended up being a disappointment. Um, but those guys had their moments, especially Wijnaldum. And um, another guy that, you know, sort of started off slow with, with Liverpool, Thiago, now back to being one of the best midfielders in the world. Yeah, Nunez is going to be really, really good, and I'm scared. I, Alongside Luis Diaz as well. Liverpool. I think the major, yeah. I think the major thing for Liverpool with Nunez and why they paid that much is because that is the price you have to pay for that level young striker. Yeah, I think exactly. Nunez is a level above Gabriel Jesus. Um, the thing is with Nunez, which is a bit of the concern people have had with players like him and somewhat with Dusan Vlahovic, is that a lot of his goals have come from tap-in style situations. Um, He's not really one like Holland is where he just creates left, right, center, 50,000 goals and chances for himself, along with being set up a billion times. Um, Nunez thrives in Benfica's system. Um, He's a product of that way of playing. Um, but it's the price you have to pay for a striker of that caliber, which as we saw Vlahovic is a lot of money. Holland would have gone for near Mbappe, Neymar level fees if it wasn't for his ridiculous 60 million uh, buyout clause he had with yeah. Dortmund. Um, he would have gone for a near record fee. I can tell you that. Um, yeah. City would have paid it as well. They would have paid the 200 plus million to try and get him. Um, or 180, whatever it was going to end up being, they would have had to pay because he's that dang good. Um, Erling Holland is quite possibly one of the greatest players I uh, you ever you ever watch. He's just so talented. Um, and City getting him, and I know there's been all these th- talks of oh he can't play well because he's not re- he's he thrives on the through ball and he thrives on open play. It doesn't matter. He's great with his feet. He's great at passing. He's great at hold-up play. He's got both left foot and right foot to pass the ball. He's got a decent head. And he's also six foot five and built like a tank. Um, I, I have no concern he's going to score 20 goals for Man City. He, the only reason he wouldn't get 20 is if every single player that plays for Man City in midfield and attack has 18 goals apiece. That is the only reason he's not going to get 20 goals. I think it does take a little bit of time to get used to Pep's system. Um, we saw it with Jack Grealish. He said at the end of the season that he was just a little scared to be himself out on the pitch. I agree, but I think um, the difference is, is that Grealish, at least, he's more integral in the system. I think Holland is just – he's going to basically kind of just – he's going to be himself because he's going to be allowed to be open, which is what Holland said he loved with Jude Bellingham, is that Jude Bellingham 
allowed him to kind of just move around wherever he wanted to. And then he'd find him somewhere um, along with Marco Royce and along with um, everyone else. Dortmund has kind of playing in that attack, like Thorgan Hazard. He was kind of like, yeah, I was able to just kind of float around, find where I wanted to go. And then the, a ball would end up at my feet. And Holland's really good with his feet. Like that is a part of the game, his game that people have not touched on enough is that he is dribbling wise insane it's i know the comparison has been made a lot to him and ibra because they're both tall uh scandinavians um i think it's dumb to make that comparison i think it's very generic it doesn't do much they're not the same player but the idea is there that ibra is really good with his feet technically is absurd holland is the same way he's maybe not as tricky like a neymar would be with his feet but he's the next level down from Ibra with his feet in terms of like skill. And that's all you need. And if KDB and Bernardo Silva and Jack Grealish and Phil Foden and Riyad Mahrez and Rodri and every other billion Man City wingers are feeding him the ball, I, I, I'm scared. I'm really yeah. scared, Arjun. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy to see all those players link up together. And I I think all, all of what you said is true, but I do think it's gonna take a little bit of time for Holland. I don't think it'll be a twenty goal season for him, but I think he definitely is has the caliber to do that. Um, obviously, I'm very high caliber. On Holland. He has the yeah. caliber to hit thirty. Let's be honest yeah. here. Yeah, I, I, was... I'm 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 super super sold on his talent. But again, with that system, it'll take a little bit. I think Grealish will have a fantastic year um, now that he's sort of acquainted because Grealish is Grealish has that that talent too. So um, City are going to be scary. Liverpool, obviously, we've already said are going to are, are going to be scary um, with with the moves they've made. And Arjun, I just want to quickly check because um, I can't currently find it. Do you know how many goals City scored this past season? By any ninety nine. They scored 99 goals this season. So they scored 99 in 38 games. They had a, I believe it was 73, yeah, 73 goal differential. Um, if they scored 99 goals without a striker, what do you think they do with a striker? There were dozens and dozens of chances where a ball was put in and no one was there to finish it or someone yeah. was there to finish it, but didn't finish it. Thing is with this big old Norwegian kid coming in, he can finish those chances pretty easily. He's again, yeah. he's six foot five with very long legs and yeah. he can jump quite well. I, yeah. They're going to add another 10 to 20 goals onto that. That's what's going to happen is that he's going to make that attack just different. And if say all of a sudden there's a corner and then city take possession and Holland just sprints a little bit, KDB is going to find him on a through ball. And Holland is, that's what he thrived on at Dortmund is he finished almost every one of those chances off. I mean, he's like, what is it? This past season, he played, I believe it was 28 matches that someone put up a stat. It was like, he played 28 matches um, and had like 32 goal contributions. Um, and the only player above him contribution wise under 21 was Vinicius who played like 40 some odd matches and had like 38 or something ridiculous. Holland did that by playing less games mm-hmm. and had over one a match like that. Yeah. That is Messi Ronaldo level of contribution where you're looking at, which for those keeping track at home, 
is otherworldly. Yeah. Sorry, I know I keep ranting on Erling Holland, but the whenever idea- whenever Holland comes up, we have to dedicate about ten or fifteen minutes for Kyle to talk. Bare minimum, because yeah. again, this is like I wanted him at Arsenal because he's the perfect player. He's just, everything is good about yeah. him. This is oh boy. I'm sorry. I'm just concerned for the Prem next season. I'm concerned. Um, but Arjun, Holland may be a great transfer, but there have been some uh, not so great transfers. Uh, and we'll end it off with this. Uh, who would you say, including this past season, has been a one of the worst Premier League transfers of all time? Who, who are you leading? Yeah, well, we talked about him going back to Inter Milan on loan. Uh, it's going to be Romelu Lukaku. Um, obviously, I said he would, he would be my signing of the season and transform Chelsea into a title contender. Uh, he did not do that. I said that Lukaku had sort of transformed his game into becoming more than a goal poacher. And I, I compared him to Harry Kane because I thought that um, he had transformed. He had become more than just a number nine that someone they could distribute to. Um, but unfortunately, he was not good. And it begs the question that not just because he wasn't good, he was like causing problems off the pitch pretty much from the moment he got there too. So my question is, is that the worst Premier League signing of all time now that the saga seems to be quite coming to an end? Personally, Arjun, I would like to chuck up some other names that I think are worse. Um, so Lukaku is a strong candidate with it costing, I believe, what was it? $124 million. If we're going dollar amount, um, that's just what my, when I put transfer market up, that's what it had it in is dollars. So we'll go with dollars. Um, 129, 120, whatever it was, million dollars. Not great. Um, I would like to give you um, I will take your Lukaku and I will serve you um, just in general Manchester United's last few years of signings as a whole. I mean, Jaden Sancho, I mean, Harry Maguire and Paul Pogba. That is my number one is Pogba personally. Um, and some might hear that and say, what are you saying? Pogba's a great player. Hey, he's great. What has he done for them? They could have sold him a first time if they'd kept him for an extra couple of years to somebody for say 80 million or so at that time, it would have been like 80 million if he, they sold him to U of A. Then they bought him for a hundred some odd million. And then they let him go on a free to U of A again for a hundred some for free. They could have sold him again for like a hundred plus to Real Madrid when they wanted him last season. They could have made... 200 instead they are negative 100 twice not once twice and both times the biggest problem that their team has had is that their system should have been built on Pogba they never built it on Pogba and because of him being there they signed Sancho and they signed a Ronaldo and a Bruno Fernandes and a Harry Maguire to build around Pogba that's that team was meant to be built around Pogba none of them have panned out because of Pogba not playing well and because of his fee being what it was that all the other signings happened because of him. So he's probably been responsible for a lot of their losses 
He's been responsible for 300 plus million dollars transfers. It's he's been horrible. That's that's what I'll toss to you. I'm I'm gonna say it's Lukaku. I mean it. It's hilarious how how this has gone down because Pogba I don't think has has created the same off field issues as um as Lukaku did. And if you look at how well Pogba plays for France, I think I think it's a symptom of Manchester United itself and not of Paul Pogba himself. Um, because I, I mean, United, uh, they're like we said, Arsenal were in disarray after three games last year. Manchester United are a club in disarray. This is a club that has little to no chemistry. They've got a new manager now. Um, which we'll see how that goes. Maybe he can pick up the pieces there. But I think Pogba is a symptom of wrong place, wrong time. That but, this was, if, he, if he wanted to be in, in any Manchester United team in the era that he, he was in, it, was, it just didn't work out. And I don't think that's entirely his fault um, because he has the quality. Um, but it... it Obviously, his form wasn't as good as you wanted it to be, right? But I don't think that's entirely his fault. And I think that they tried building around him and they failed. And I don't think that's entirely because his form wasn't good. It's because what they tried to bring in, the the tactics just didn't work. I can agree. That makes sense. I also want to check in this fun point, which is uh, out of the top 10 transfers I'm currently seeing here on uh, Transfer Market, um, number 10 on this list is Romelu Lukaku a second time with his signing to United um, is yeah. also included on this list. I think that's yeah. really funny yeah. um, that he was signed to United and then sold to obviously, what was it? He was then sold to Chelsea or then sold to Inter and then to Chelsea and then to Inter again, and then back to Chelsea and back to Inter. Lukaku has basically been in 30 places in the last two years. Um, Lukaku is... Yeah, he's not a great signing. Um, I just looking at it on face value, I've looked at he, when Pogo was signed from Juventus. Not only was it a coup, but also was the idea of at the time he was the most expensive signing in the world, I believe. And he also was being signed to be their centerpiece. He was being signed to have him and then build the entire squad around him, as you said. They signed the Lukaku's, they signed the Fred's, the Harry Maguire's, the Ronaldo's, the everything's to put around him, the Sancho's. Nothing's worked. They paid 40, 50 million because they're united. They have the money to do it, but they've overpaid to get players to put around Pogba in systems that don't work. For it, it, All of it for me stems from Paul Pogba. It, does it, is it all his fault? No. But I think personally, all of my issues stem from Pogba in the first place. So that's just my feelings. Um, also, again, though, we've said my feelings also were that Sancho was the best young player in the Prem. So my feelings can be a little bit off here or there. <laughs> well, this has been a great transfer window discussion to get the ball rolling. We are definitely going to be back discussing uh, more Arsenal news in the coming weeks. And of course, breaking down all of these transfers, which we really didn't get a chance to do, but um, there will be a lot more coming in the next couple of weeks that we will break down and recap 
we love transfer season. We wish there was a World Cup going on right now that we could talk about, um, but we'll have to wait for another five months to have our specials out for those. Um, but for now, thank you for joining us for this pretty lengthy return of the Going Going Gooner podcast, but we will be back more regularly, especially as the season ramps up. We'll be back to our weekly posting schedule, and we are very excited for, what is this, year three now? Almost year three, and we'll have uh, actual mics again, and yeah. we'll have no echoes. Hopefully, I'll have a table, um, and hopefully, Arsenal are atop the table. <laughs> exactly. So, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm Arjun. That has been Kyle. And before we go, be sure to drop us a follow on Twitter at GG Gunner Pod. And thank you all for joining us. Peace.